Rebound for Eichel. Dropped it in front. Shot. Score! Dorofiev! Two goals! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. The horn sounds and this game is over. The race for the Pacific Division is over and the race for Western Conference supremacy is over. The Golden Knights are number one in the Western Conference for the first time in franchise history. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace hanging out inside the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Darren Millard, Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Boy, isn't that nice to hear a little positivity today? Positivity Alley needs your support as we welcome everybody that's uh, kind of walking around in a bit of a fog after what uh, occurred last night at T-Mobile Arena and the Fortress and a loss to the Winnipeg Jets in the opener of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Winnipeg Jets were pretty good last night. They had their big guns that were converting plays, and Vegas was not quite in sync. We'll get into it in much deeper detail. You'll also hear from Bruce Cassidy from today's media session over at City National Arena, and they, they had a mic for the reporters, so it's good. Uh, Chapman doesn't have to do all the editing and uh, and fiddling around with it, so it's, it's awesome. It's perfect, and uh, there's a lot to get through from Bruce's standpoint about what Vegas uh, will do tomorrow night and what they won't do because there's a considerable angle on that side of it as well. We'll also bring you one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League as uh, we have another slate of games. Uh, game two is tonight in the National Hockey League postseason, including Edmonton trying to even up its best-of-seven series against the Los Angeles Kings. And just want to mention one thing before we get deep into it. There's, I don't know how far along it goes, but I told you guys yesterday it was 2-2, uh, uh, home teams, road teams. Uh, on opening night. Yeah. Last night, all four teams lost uh, as far as the higher seed teams lost. So the road team ended up going uh, six and two in the opening uh, games of, of the series. That seems yeah. very weighted to me, very slanted, uh, unusual. And uh, Ray Ferrero talked about it last week about the maybe having the option. And it would have to be more... Uh, of a study going into it, but that uh, that was staggering to me. Uh, and, and all four Western Conference teams, uh, the the higher seeds, all lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it speaks to you know the 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 margin for error is is so small, especially in these first round matchups. And you know, I think for for every single series in the West, I, I think that we're in for close series and tough series. And you know, that's what makes this time of year so fun. But it's just the, the the way it starts. Like the the road team or the lower seed isn't going to go four and zero in the Western Conference. Isn't going to go six and two in the first round. As much as you might try to sell me that it's going to be uh, the underdog season, it's not going to happen. So you walk through it. Like Edmonton will probably beat Los Angeles. Edmonton deserved a better fate the other night. 
than they were handed against the Kings, having that 2 nothing and 3-1 third period leads. Dallas badly outplayed Minnesota. They had them on the ropes they throughout did, yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, deserved a much better fate. Uh, Vegas, uh, you can't attack less than they did last night. A record number of shots for, uh, as far as the fewest number of shots for in a Stanley Cup playoff game. They're going to be way better in, in game two. Toronto, you're going to allow four power play goals in in a game again? No, they'll they'll be better as well. New Jersey, I worry about that one, actually, uh, given, the, given the goaltending and, and what Shesterkin has done halfway through the year and the adjustment that he's made. I'll tell you about that as we, we go along. But uh, I, I think that uh, it'll probably end up being 6-2 higher seeds over, over the lower seeds by the end of it. It just it jumped out at me and the lopsidedness of, of the games. And I don't know whether it's players being nervous, um, uh, adjusting uh, to the, the, the Stanley Cup playoff race, whether it's, it's a one-off, there was a, a, a great performance by Philip Gustafson, that, uh, that had an impact on it. But uh, I just, uh, I, I wonder uh, if there's anything to the, those opening night jitters in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the playoffs. I don't think necessarily round two or three are, are like that. It's just the opening night, uh, your your first appearance in that year's playoffs uh, seems to have had an impact. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that tracks over the course of this first round. I, I agree with you in that I don't think every lower seed is going to eventually win this first round series. Uh, but I, I do think that there's maybe something a bit freeing as, about being the home team or being the away team, going out, understanding that uh, you can kind of throw everything at the opposition hoping for a split and you know all those teams now have gotten that and they'll have they'll have a great opportunity going back in game number three on their home ice to to really push the envelope and and push the narrative and and push those top seeds higher seeds uh to an uncomfortable position so Vegas Falls, uh, they're one of the six teams that were favored, or a higher seed, uh, that lost the series opener in, in this first round. And they fell by only scoring one goal. Uh, gave up five. Part of that was an empty netter. Uh, so really it was four on the goaltender, a uh, 4-1 game. What were you more disappointed in last night? The goals against, or was it only scoring one and never leading. I mean, it was only scoring one and not really generating a lot of chances. You know, like, you lose to the Winnipeg Jets and Connor Hellebuck really isn't a story. That's disappointing for me. Never making a real push on Hellebuck. A couple of early chances, and then every now and then one throw it in. Uh, Jack had a good look early. Brett Howden had a good look. Uh, Michael Amadio had a great look. But that was about it. Oh, beyond the William Carlson actual goal. There wasn't much off the rush. There was some extended zone time after they changed up the lines and, and put the misfits back together. There was a bit of a push there, but then that wore off. It was a game in which you're playing in a series against Connor Hellebuck, who can steal games. He has that ability to get the, on his horse and just ride and, and make it happen. That wasn't the case last night. That 
That was almost like giving a freebie to Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. instead of having to win two games in the series by himself, he might only have to win one by himself if he can get some help. So that that's where it concerned me more than anything else was you didn't make Connor Hellebuck work as much as you would like to in that series. Uh, I think Vegas will come back and be so much better uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and uh, whether it's uh, Jack's first playoff game, which... Uh, I know there was the emotions uh, from from Jack that he felt like he was uh, uh, trying to do too much. Uh, he and I had a conversation today uh, about that, and and it went a lot in line with what Ray Ferraro told me on the Chirp podcast uh, regarding uh, trying to go out there and make things happen, which is what a, a star player wants to do uh, on that stage and in that environment. Uh, he had nine shot attempts; he got a couple through, but uh, I don't think it was. All bad for Jack, but he said, uh, told me today, he's got to he's got to get back to his game, and he will get back to his game. More part of uh, his game, and not forcing uh, things so much. The power play has to be more impactful, and uh, not uh, necessarily scoring a ton. Uh, you don't have to go two for three, but there was the point last night where it was taking momentum away instead of being even or adding to it or scoring. Uh, you never got the uh, the feeling that it was close. Uh, uh, Mark Stone is going to be better. Uh, some of the evaluations of Mark were, were totally unfair uh, regarding uh, his, his performance. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what anybody expected out of him after missing three months and coming back off, off a second back surgery and jumping into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, th- mm-hmm. That part was was ridiculous, and I, I quite, quite honest, you're playing Mark Stone right now, yeah, to get something out of him in rounds two and three and four. That, that's what that I mean. The way that's what last night was, and tomorrow night is, and Saturday is. It's laying a foundation and allowing him to play catch up, so when he can he can get some more reps and he can be more effective sooner. But anything that happens in this series is an absolute bonus uh, from Mark Stone. And then, and then on the other side uh, of the puck defensively, they, they weren't crisp leaving their zone last night. They didn't get anything going out of their zone. And when you don't have the crispness coming out from your back end to your forwards, you're going to have a lot of trouble penetrating uh, the uh, other team's zone. We talked about uh, and heard uh, players discuss uh, the dumping and the forecheck and, and it being effective. Well, because that wasn't effective because everything was out of sync coming out of the Golden Knights zone. And if you're not in sync there, you're going to find it really hard to get the other team pinned in and, and create any time of, uh, type of zone time uh, for Vegas. So there, there was a few different things that were just out of out of whack last night, which I think can be corrected. The stone thing is the outsider. Uh, that that one is going to be a process. The rest of it, I, I think, can be much better tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. It, you know, the commentary last night on the postgame show about Mark Stone and, and what the Golden Knights should do in the future and all that. Like, listen, you want your captain in the lineup. He's healthy. He's, he's, he's cleared. He's cleared. 
he's going to play. And what you want out of Mark Stone is growth. What you want out of Mark Stone is to get the timing back, to shake off the rust, so that when you are in the games, and it's not to suggest that every game isn't impactful or, or matters. It all does. Every single one does. But when you start getting into a game five, six, seven, when you start getting into the second round, third round, that's when you want Mark Stone at his best. And the only way, and I said this last night, and I'll say it again, and I'm not going to stop saying it, the only way to get Mark Stone to that place is for him to play hockey games, to play playoff games. Nothing you do in practice is going to be able to replicate the intensity of what Mark went through last night in that game. He needs reps, and he needs live reps. Yeah. And it was a while into the fall before he hit a stride. He, he didn't admit that. So you think he's going to be caught up by, uh, after a couple, of, a couple of practices and not a training camp? Uh, going through it. So people just calm your expectations for the cat. It's great that he's out there. And he made some plays last night that, that made it look like, boom, boom, he's, he's good. There is some chemistry, some interaction with, with Chandler Stevenson I thought was uh, dynamic, some, some zone entries uh, early on in the game. But there's also a fatigue factor later in the game. Now, he played 21-38 most of any forward, uh, as a way to try and speed up the process uh, when the game kind of got uh, uh, to, to double digit not double digits, but uh, multiple goals uh, behind. Uh, Bruce Cassidy played him a little bit more to try and uh, shake off the rust a little bit and also get back in the game, but uh, more to get him, get him sort of into the, into the swing of things. Uh, and there's, there's a bit of a fatigue uh, side of it uh, on that. Like Mark wasn't happy with the, with the way things uh, went last night, but uh, just keep that one to the side. If you want to get highly critical, third round would be it. That, that, that one would be second round would be pushing it. First round. Absolutely. Uh, uh, unattainable. If he does produce, Massive bonus, uh, and you may wonder, okay, why is he even in there? Because well, he's, he's got to, you got to get him caught up. You, you got to get him going. You got to get him into it, and uh, and we'll see if they can maybe strike uh, uh, lightning uh, with with Chandler Stevenson and, and Matteo. The, the lines, by the way, today at practice did go back to normal the way they started uh, last night's with, and uh, that's where we'll go back to right now with our game rating from Game 1 against the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Uh, well, it's a DeLorean, right? Bear with what me, Marty. All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah. tape. All right, Chapman, uh, game number one, a 5-1 victory for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, which gives Winnipeg home ice advantage. Well, I thought they started good. I mean, the first few minutes, first 10, 12 minutes were, were pretty good. Um, but for some reason after that, after they took those two penalties back-to-back, -back, something changed, and they just did not seem like the same team. It's a two for me. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great game. I thought Laurent Brossois was hung out to dry a couple of times, so hard to really look at anything that he... Maybe the third goal, you say, eh, maybe he should have saved that, but I think at that point... It was hard for them to get back in the game. It's a two. Um, not a whole lot of positive things to say, but, uh, but I mean, hopefully tomorrow night it's a little bit better. Ryan Wallace. Okay, um, I, I fully understand Chapman going two. I'm going one. I'm going AMC Pacer. For me, it was really, really good first six, seven minutes of the game. I thought for the Golden Knights they were able to get in. They were able to 
kind of create some chaos down below the goal lines. It pops out for a couple of really good looks, one from Brett Howden, one from Michael Amadio, and then there's that Nick Haig cross-seam pass to Jack Eichel. Uh, those plays have to convert. They have to hit. And I love the fact that the Golden Knights were able to find them, but then you know penalties kind of put them into a position where they had to defend. Winnipeg kind of weathered that storm early, and then the Jets really did get to their game. They were able to... to, to find ways to get through the neutral zone obviously the two goals that they scored in 62 seconds put uh, put the golden knights back on their heels a bit um, i like the response with william carlson's goal that's kind of how you got to play in, in between the dots and north south as, as much as possible but again that for me william carlson scores the golden knights go to the power play the building is rocking and there's just nothing going on for the Golden Knights positive on that power play. It sapped the momentum from the game, and I think that really was kind of the story in a nutshell. Then you look at two shots in the third period, you're down, you're trying to push, and you're just not able to generate much of anything. The fact that Connor Hellebuck didn't have to be a story, we already talked about it, is something that you know it really bothered me out of last night's game, so I'm going AMC Pacer. It's a one out of five. One out of five from Ryan Wallace, a two out of five with a station wagon, courtesy of Chris Chapman, and I went with the pacer myself. Not the goals against. You're you're going to face good players, and uh, and those players in the Winnipeg Jets, that's Dubois, uh, that's uh, Kyle Connor, who is just so effective all night. Darren Elliott looked at me and said, every chance Connor has, it looks like it's going to go in. Like that, yeah. That's how good Kyle Connor uh, is. Uh, so th- th- those players had chances, and they converted on. It was just the lack of push, lack of zone time, lack of opportunities around Connor Halibut, lack of forcing him to to make saves and keep his team in it. He didn't have to do enough of that uh, zone time. He didn't even have to make him stay in his crouch or do it work uh, work in the zone because he didn't have uh, a lot of that. And that's uh, that's where it, it got away from me. The, the, the power play can have uh, a big effect on that. But it was, it just, it fell into the power play, the five on five, uh, defending uh, in and around the zone. Uh, uh, LB can be, can be better uh, or more crisp. Uh, and don't forget, that was his first ever start in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, against uh, his former team. So there's all kinds of things swirling around him. Uh, from, from, from top to bottom, uh, you're, you're hard pressed to find an area where you go, that, they can build off that. But yeah. here's the best part is it was all, and I agree 100% with what Jack said after the game last night and what Bruce Cassidy uh, offered last night, post game, and then today. And this is no disrespect to the Winnipeg Jets who converted their chances and mm-hmm. created opportunities. The performance or lack thereof offensively from Vegas was more contributed to their own performance uh, or own function than what Winnipeg did from a system standpoint or a forechecking standpoint. They were, they were good in, in, in clogging up the, the zone entries, but uh, Vegas normally doesn't have any trouble with that. It was look inside, and, and if you can, you can come out a lot better on your own side, and fix those problems, then Winnipeg's got a challenge. I, and it goes back to, to what I said earlier. You didn't make them beat you last night. That was more on the Vegas Golden Knights. And that is reflected in practice today. You, you saw the lines. They're the same. 
as mm-hmm. what they started with last night. If if what Winnipeg did, or there was a tactical issue with the approach by Vegas, we know Bruce Cassidy will make a change or alter mm-hmm. things or counter it. He did it halfway through the game last night to try and get them going. Uh, if if there's a challenge there that Winnipeg is causing a disruption, he will adjust to it. He practiced today the same way as he was going into the series with last night, which means, guys, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You go get it. You fix yeah. it uh, and, and, and make it happen. And he, he's putting on the players in a way, but he's also putting faith in the players. Sure. He, he believes that that's the right way to go about it and giving them uh, another opportunity uh, for game two tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have been a different story or you adjust things if, you know, the Golden Knights had their A game, right? If, if the Golden Knights had their A game and the result was the same and the Winnipeg Jets were doing some exceptional things, then I think maybe you, you look to make a change going into tomorrow night's game. But the fact of the matter is, and, and I agree with you and, and Bruce Cassidy, I don't think Winnipeg did anything exceptional last night. It was the Golden Knights. A lot of what happened in terms of the offensive chances that Winnipeg scored on and buried were self-inflicted. And, and for the Golden Knights, they, they just have to come out with a better ability to execute the game plan tomorrow. And, and that's really what it's going to boil down to, is each one of those players kind of digging deep and finding a way to be better tomorrow night. And I thought Bruce was, was pretty frank and positive and like, how do you be positive? He he wasn't a, a big ogre or a curmudgeon when it, when he met with the media last night. He he owned it on behalf of his hockey club. And when you can when you can go on the wrong side of a score like that up to the podium, and uh, Nate Ewell, uh introduces you to the to the media, and you, you start answering these questions, you're not in a great mood after yeah. making that walk. And yeah. when you when you put on the type of uh, uh, interaction with the media that's uh, that is not curmudgeonish uh then I, I i thought that he had a pretty good handle on where things went sideways for sure and that's kind of that's kind of the beauty of having bruce as the coach of this team because I, I think it really gives an idea of where he sees things and when bruce tends to give those opinions I think it calms everybody down because we've seen it all season long, right, where the Golden Knights will have a a poor game or it won't be the type of game that you're expecting. He'll lay it out on the line as to what went wrong, how you can fix it, and generally speaking all year long, the Golden Knights have found a way to kind of self-correct, course-correct. I I don't know that tomorrow night should be any different. The Golden Knights have, have really done a great job of bouncing back after tough outings and bad losses. And, you know, for, for now, Bruce, as you've mentioned, has has put it on the players to go out there and perform tomorrow, but he's also empowered them by doubling down on his faith in their ability to get it done as it was constructed going into the series. But he didn't, he didn't see anything close to what he expected. Mm-mm. And I think that that's a, that's a big move by Bruce to take a step back and know that Mark's just coming in the lineup. So that's mm-hmm. going to be different. The lines were moved around. That's going to be different. Uh, Jack's playing his first ever Stanley Cup playoff game. That's different. 
And Lauren Brassois is making his first Stanley Cup playoff start. Different. Zach Whitecloud is back in. That's a little different. And and having the uh, the return from injury, which Shea Theodore returned just before uh, the, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. There is a lot there as far as moving pieces around and putting pieces in. Give them a go around. And then follow up. Now, if, if game two doesn't go your way, there's no doubt that Bruce Cassidy makes some significant alterations, whether it's mm-hmm. bringing somebody from uh, outside and putting them in the lineup, lineup decisions that way, or changing up his lines. That, that will happen. Uh, uh, goaltending, defense, uh, I highly doubt the defense. That might be the one protected area uh, up front. Uh, but, but right now, I just think that it was, it's unfair uh, with with the players all coming off injury. They're healthy, but they're not up to speed yet. Give them a game to get comfortable. Uh, hopefully it works out. It didn't. Uh, and that's the way I, I rationalize it or I look at it, evaluate it uh, from last night. But you've got you've played your free one. That mm-hmm. that that's your your get out of jail, boom, we're not gonna do anything. It it better you, you you do it again. I'm I'm nabbing you. It's 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 pretty pretty clear. It's cut and dry for me. The Golden Knights have to respond tomorrow. And if it doesn't go their their way, if it doesn't uh, change in, in terms of how the game looks or what we see tomorrow night, then yeah, I'm expecting big changes from Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights heading into Game Three in Winnipeg. I, I don't know about big, but changes. I I mean I think that that. You know, just loading up, right? Like, because we talked about it yesterday. The Golden Knights' real key in this series is, is going to be their depth. At least that's what we view it as. It still is. If you're, and and the best way to utilize your depth is to go into this into these games with the lines constructed the way that they were before the series. So if you're if you're forced to kind of pull yourself out of that, then it in it, to me that's a big change. What do you think of the Misfits being back together? I thought they had some jump, you know. I thought that they were one of those. One were of the you lines surprised? That, not really, no. Because I mean, it, it just it makes sense to me, right? If you're going to move Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson up to play alongside Jack Eichel, I, I think the natural kind of progression of how things go is reuniting John of the Marshes with William Carlson and Riley Smith. Yeah, and you, wh- you have old chemistry. You I know, know you I, can rely on that. I exactly. I, I totally agree with that, and I love them together. I I do, but. He it hasn't happened a lot. Yeah. To be quite honest, with with all the the lineup uh, or line configurations that we've seen, how many games have those three started together? Probably a handful, right? Like, I, it, I don't. Even, I don't think. Be... That, I don't think it's a handful. Now, no now putting them together mid yeah. mid mid uh, mid game that that's uh, that's a little different and seeing them together. But uh, I thought that was uh, that was. Sagey, but also uh, fit fit the moment and unique to see those three together in the in the in the middle of a game. It's it's trustworthy. It it's go to. It's comforting. It's great. But I I was a little bit surprised that they went halfway through game number one that they were back together and and it made me smile because I'm a I'm a misfit guy. Uh, uh-huh. But but I was still a, a little bit a uh, little bit surprised. 
Yeah, it was surprising. I, you know, I thought William Carlson, you know, for, for kind of everything we've talked about with the Golden Knights out of game number one, I thought William Carlson played really, really well. He's the best Vegas. player. I, yeah, 100%. So, you know, I, I, I was pleased that he found a way to be impactful, that he found a way to get on the score sheet. That hopefully bodes well the rest of the series for the Golden Knights. But, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed seeing Carlson, Smith, and Marsha so back together. I, I wish it would have kind of resulted in more than just the one goal just because I, I thought those three were, were playing well, Carlson specifically. But, you know, for the Golden Knights, again, you know you've got that in your back pocket. You know if everything else is going poorly, you can rely on the Misfits getting back together, that chemistry, giving you a couple of really good shifts, and hopefully it's something you can build on. Somebody asked me last night, I'll tell you who it was, it was Jeff Sharples. Uh, oh, okay. We, as we normally do, we talk a lot, the former National Hockey League defenseman. Uh, Sharples asked me, would you rather, and this is hypothetical, but it does create a, a good thought, would you rather lose the way Dallas did in owning the opposition but falling in a fluke and in an overtime, or would you rather lose like Vegas did last night knowing that you didn't come close to playing your game. Ashley Vice asked Jack last night after the game, oh, where was that performance compared to where the level of game that you, you can normally play? And he said, a long way off. So which one would it be? I'd rather lose a game where, <laughs> where you just don't play well at all, where you're so far off your game that it, it's, it's like it was last night for the Golden Knights because you know you can get to that level. You know that if you play to your expectations, if you play to your style, if you play to your game, that it's probably going to go a different direction. So for me, I'd rather lose when I'm just not very good as opposed to being the Dallas Stars who were fantastic and absolutely deserved to win and were unfortunate to lose their, their opening game. It's a quirky question. I normally don't like those kinds of questions or situations, but it seemed to fit after watching that Dallas game so closely and how they deserved so much. They they might have deserved the game one win more than any of the other seven series, yeah. the way they played and, and went to uh, double overtime. But then the Vegas side, 17 shots, like that tells you right away. 17 shots with the number of power plays that they had, that, that it just didn't work, and they were they were out of sync. And if you try to come up with the big saves, there was three by Connor Hellebuck, three really good ones. You got it. You got. It. And when you make more shots, take more shots. So the seventeen shots, you're creating rebounds off those. Darren yeah. Elliott will tell you Connor Hellebuck isn't the greatest at soaking everything up mm-hmm. and eliminating second chances. Really good goaltender, but he'll give you a couple of free ones. When you only have 17 shots, you're cutting down on those second opportunities and able to go to the net, Not, and which also tells you you weren't getting to the inside enough to to jump on those second opportunities. So we'll see. We'll see if it uh, it happens. Uh, Chapman, you're the voice of the fans. Lose after dominating and owning a team, but falling basically on by being goalied or lose last night because there's a case to be made where if you, you're by far the better team, we'll be fine the next game. You can sell me on that too. I I lean towards the way it went last night because yeah. you, you know you didn't play your best game 
And you know, if you do play your best game, you could beat this team, right? If you're if you're Dallas, you have to ask the question: Can you take it a level higher than what you did on Monday night? And you still lost the game. You, you played what you consider to be maybe your best game, and you still lost. Some mind games going towards the stars right now from Chris Chapman. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I, I would there not want to be, thinking. There, I, I would not thinking. be in their position. I, I would much rather be in Vegas's position. See, I was thinking Dallas uh, would be looking at it like we were great, and if we do that again, we'll be just fine. But the other side that you bring up, can they get to that again? Yeah, if they I mean, don't have Joel Pavelski, which they won't have for, for game number two tonight, more on news and notes, uh, one-timers from around the National Hockey League, uh, that, that's a question mark. Well, the other can, question can, is... Can you get to that level again uh, coming back? We know Vegas is going to play better. Well, the, and, and then the other side of that coin is Minnesota will probably play better than they did on Monday night because I think they're better than what they showed in that game. So... I, 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 I know Winnipeg could probably play better than what they did last night, but we know this is not the team that we expect to well, see from Vegas. Here's the problem with Winnipeg. We've got to take a break. But the issue with Winnipeg that I have if I'm a Golden Knights fan looking at this, heck, if I'm a Jets fan evaluating this, what team am I getting night to night? <laughs> is it the team that was first place in the conference halfway through the year? Is it the team that lost 14 points to Colorado in the final 25 games and barely squeaked in? Or is it the team somewhere in the middle that that won a couple of crucial games just to get in? I don't know what team I'm going to get night to night. Was that the best Jets performance? No. But it's a lot better than some of them that I've seen. And uh, that was that was certainly welcoming uh, for their management. So uh, from from the Jets' perspective, win, but can you maintain that level? Uh, I, we haven't seen that consistency from from the Winnipeg Jets. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll get more uh, on the Golden Knights performance last night against the Winnipeg Jets. We'll also get into tonight's schedule in the National Hockey League and reflect on last night's games in which Tampa shocks Toronto. And they did it in style. Big suspension coming out of that game. And we also have Bruce Cassidy from this morning's media availability. It's the VGK Insider Show from Oil Hotel and Casino and from the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. How deep does your positivity reach? What can you find from last night's game that you go, ah, I like that. I I, I appreciate what happened there. There's got to be something from that game last night. Uh, okay, I mean, I... Whew, let me think, let me think, let me think. I really liked the first four and a half to five minutes of the game for the Golden Knights. Hmm. Anything in particular? I, I, yeah, I like the, the four-check pressure. I like create some turnovers and, and generate some chances. I, I thought that the first five-ish minutes were probably the best for the Golden Knights. And then, I, I mean, listen, playoff hockey, it's it's big boy hockey. It, it is it is heavy. It is hard. It is physical. I thought the Golden Knights threw the body quite a bit last night. And I think if you're going to be encouraged by one thing, um, it, it's the fact that the Golden Knights were not afraid and did not shy away from being physical. They were the initiator of that, dragging into the fight, whatever you want to call it. 
I thought Vegas put forth a, a, a physical game, and you need that to win in the playoffs. Don't want to be the curmudgeon, and, and now I will be, uh, to take playing the role of the, of the head coach who wouldn't be happy, and Bruce Cassidy wasn't the curmudgeon last night. I didn't think it was physical last night. Like, for a playoff game, I didn't think it was overly physical. It might be more physical than what we see during the regular season. There's more hits than we see during a regular season, but I didn't think it was particularly physical. A couple of scrums, borderline kerfuffle, but I didn't see that level of uh, interaction between the two teams. Uh, But what did you grab onto? If you had to drag something out of that game last night, Chapman, that you said, I like this. I thought the misfit line looked good when they were together. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly the best line of the night, uh, but for, for, for... the Golden Knights. Riley Smith, five shots. Yeah, I mean, they they, they had, well, Carlson had a goal. Um, I thought the, the pass by Barbashev to Carlson was really good, too, even though obviously not the misfit line. Thank you. you know what? Ashley and I talked about it today. The fact that it was all about the misfits and then Carlson scores, but, but Barbashev, Barbashev, had Barbashev screwed it up. <laughs> by, by, by all of us grabbing onto it, and she talked to Will during the uh, during the second intermission, and I came out of it and, and walked our, our way on the TV side through through the goal. But you, you had to have little <laughs> asterisks there going. Uh, but Barbershev made the pass. Yes, even though yeah. it was it was the misfits. Barbershev made it was, the pass. It was a nice pass too. Yeah. Um. And and look, I mean, if I'm trying to find something positive, I I, I shine on that because I thought Carlson, as you guys mentioned, was the best player, but I thought. Marcia so had a lot of little bit of jump when he was back with with his his buddies. So, I mean, there are some positives, not a lot, but there's certainly some positives to take out of it. And this uh this is by no means any type of uh reference to Morgan Baird. 75 stitches last night. He he to his face after colliding with the skate of Did you Lauren see the it, it was crazy. It was like something out of a horror movie. And he came back and played. <laughs> And he played with two different face guards. He had the bubble on, the shield, and then he had the the, the cage uh, around him. 75 stitches. I'm not back until next Christmas with with yeah. with that. Like that that and I shouldn't even joke about that. They, yeah. we, we saw Alec Martinez take a heck of a slash uh, to the face from a from a last year and 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 what that uh, that did to him and 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 knock him off kilter with the the, the different impacts of of the laceration 75 stitches by Morgan Barrett and he came back so that that's on the side but it ha- what I grab onto was on the same play it was a miscommunication uh, behind the net Lauren Bersois and his defense and the puck come comes out and then it was how many people can you fit in the Volkswagen all in that crease. You may not get that reference, yeah. but there used to be a, a competition all over the world. People would try and fit more people in the Volkswagen instead of world record. Google it. How, what's, what's the world record for how many people you can fit in, in a Volkswagen bug? Uh, it, that's what the crease was last night on that play. Everybody was jumped in. That's essentially why, why Morgan suffered uh, the injury that, that he did. But, uh, but somehow, Lauren Bressois came back, jumped on the pile, and found that puck. It was in around. Uh, there was awesome. Amadio made a great play uh, to, to initially keep it out, and it ended up on the other side of the crease. And somehow, some way, two things: Vegas didn't get called for a penalty shot by covering the puck in the crease. I yeah. find that 
crazy that nobody smothered it or put a hand on him. And the other one was that by the end of the play, it was Brissois who grabbed the puck with his blocker hand because there was no stick left uh, in his hand. And he actually came out of that thing with, with yeah. the puck. And I thought... Well, there's there's some luck for you. There's a positive thing that you can you can walk out. Well, uh, not for Morgan, but uh, but for well, for for what uh, what Vegas was able to scramble and come out of it. That was a unique play that you just don't see. By the way, twenty is the answer according to Guinness. Really, Guinness World Records: twenty people can fit in a Beetle, fifty in a camper bus. But oh wow! So so on that play, which I, would I, you rather be in? I think I'd rather be in in the bus. A little more room, I think. For I, sure, I, for well, sure. No, you're, the you're, there's no more room. Yeah, you're jamming it I, close. I, I, I could tell you, I would not have wanted to be in that crease last night. But on that play, Mason Appleton probably should have put the puck in the net. But I don't remember who it was who got a stick in the middle of of, of that. And well, Matteo made the first play. Okay, when when the puck came, came towards the. So crease. it must have been a Matteo then who who prevented Appleton from twenty two on twenty two right there. I'm thinking ahead. I don't know. I don't know why that jumped out at me, but you're still uh, trying to figure out whether there's more room in the bus yes. than, than the than the Volkswagen Beetle. There, there's a lot, even though you're, you're trying to set a record <laughs> yes. on how many people can fit in it, which doesn't make any sense. That's about how many were in the crease last night. It, it was what, was it like everybody was in there. I, I don't I and I still have no idea how that did not go in. Did not go in. It's amazing. And and I know hockey ops uh, in in Toronto at the uh, Situation Room. They were looking at it, trying to 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 figure out. Exactly where that puck went in. The the uh, series uh, supervisor Rod Pasma he he was looking at it, uh, trying to find out where that puck was, and it never it never actually got close to the line. It was like close ish, as it's in the crease. So yeah, it's going to be in the area, but we didn't see it get to the line. In fact, I couldn't see it once it got into the crease. Did you? Did, could, were you able to follow the puck somehow? No, just I didn't. Just swatted him out of it. No, yeah. even a little bit. No, that was kind of cool. I, I thought it was a, a unique play, and I thought, well, oh, they they got a break there, and Brassois did get uh, some other breaks uh, throughout the game, and I thought, nah, let's let's go, let's uh, let's find some bounces and and figure it out. So I'll cling to that as a little bit of uh, the hockey gods. Uh, having uh, an eye out for us uh, last night. Uh, we'll get to, into Bruce Cassidy, his evaluations the day after the 5-1 loss in the opener against the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll get into one-timers, news notes around the National Hockey League, teeing it up. Hour number two, we'll talk about it next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Fox Sports Las Vegas studio, Millard and Chapman, Ryan Wallace out at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Crowd control. James doing the crowd control. Yeah. Yeah. How's he making out? Like he's he's a pretty buff guy. Yeah, well, he's certainly the most muscular guy of the three of us. So yeah, no, he's good. James <laughs> is doing a fantastic job. Nobody's seen me with my shirt off. Day, we don't need to. I pop like Popeye. Boom. We boing. I I, I absolutely know that is not Gee. a thing that happens. Who do you think could bench more, James or I? James. Really? Oh, James, yeah. how much yeah. could you press? Give it to me. Hold on. Wait, no, 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 James. Don't, don't, don't answer that. Darren, how much can you bench press? 240. 240. Okay. 240. Okay. All right, cool. Um, I want to bet that that is false. What do you mean false? False. 100% false. I'm the one that came up there with the contest. No why, chance why would I come up with it? There is no chance. 
you can bench press 240. James, can you can you zero percent chance? No, no, James, don't worry about it. There is a zero percent chance. I am so so confident in this. Name your bet. There is a zero percent chance that you can bench press 240 pounds. The disappointing part about this conversation is it was supposed to be between James and I. Just having a friendly bet at the gym, walking around, bopping to our, why, our why earphones. Won't, why won't you and, take the and, bets? And all of a sudden, it's been high. All of a sudden, you don't want to take the bets. Kevin, will you spot you're me? You're talking, you're talking, you're talking. You don't want to take the bets. I, I, I am staying out of this. However, I will say that I think our friend Willie from across the hall could probably outbench everybody associated with this show. Willie can do 240 show. for reps. He can, yeah, he, he, he can do it with that one Darren's arm. Darren's going to hit 240. <laughs> Will. Like I'll, I'll even bring it, I'll so even bring it down. I'll even bring it down to two plates. There's a zero percent chance in my mind you can bench press two twenty five. <laughs> like like uh, like tea saucers. Those kind of plates. No 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 plates. <laughs> Darren. Oh, plates. I thought you meant like 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 small. No, plates, for real. Bread for plates. real. If you here's here's the bet. Here's the bet. So everyone has it on the on the table. You bench press two twenty five. Then. I, you can't do it. You get a tattoo. How about that? I'm getting a tattoo anyway. And Willie can't. Willie does it for fun because his chest is so big, he barely has to move the bar. That's an advantage. When you're really muscular, you, you don't can, have to bench as much. That's almost cheating. I'm going to bring that up with Willie. He actually cheats at the gym oh, I, because I, his gym is his chest is too high. I, I would mention direction. that too. He's, his his oh, chest is on. too big. Now Power number I'm, two of the BGK Insider for Show. being in better shape than you. We got Bruce Cassidy coming up and one-timers. News notes from around the National Hockey League on the way on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Spot me, Chappie.